My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Marion McKeown is here to talk about the week's happenings in America. But before we get to what's been happening all week, this just in. Russia freed the jailed U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner today, Thursday, in a dramatic high-level prisoner exchange. Marion, neither of us thought that this would happen the last time we spoke of it. This arms dealer, Victor Bout, can you bring people up to speed on why he was in jail for 12 years and how unlikely this turn of events is? Well, it is unlikely because Victor Bout first came up, I think it was about in May as a possible arms swap and uh, as a possible prisoner swap. And the Russians were saying, uh, no, we're not interested. Sorry, they were kind of pouring cold water on it. Now, Obviously, it was probably tactical to get more concessions, but the, the Drugs Arms Agency here, the Drugs and Arms Enforcement Agency, is the DEA, is not happy about this. They're saying that they spent years and years trying to get hold of Victor Bout, that they, they captured him in a sting in China. He's, he's a pretty notorious guy. He, in fact, there's one guy, Derek Maltz, who, who was just speaking earlier about it, and he just said he's disgusted that it's very upsetting to him. And, the DEA, their special operations division, captured Bout in a sting operation in, in Thailand. I think it was back around 2008. Um, and he, what happened was in, in November 2007, he agreed to sell the DEA informants, who they had had to get a great risk to the informants, millions of dollars in weapons. They were in Colombia and they pretended to be Colombian rebels. And Bout had agreed to sell them all, like a massive amount of weapons and that was the sting that took him down. But he was also involved in drug dealing. He was involved in a lot of stuff. Like he was a really America's most wanted guy. So that's the kind of, I suppose, the downside is the DEA frustration. But the upside is, thank God, Brittany Griner, she's, I understand she's already in the United Arab Emirates and that she'll be back in the States at this weekend, certainly. And, you know, she had been treated very harshly, partly, I think, for the cameras, for the optics. And, you know, she was sent to a hard labor camp and she would have been there for another, what, nine, 12 years. A brutal sentence and a brutal occurrence for somebody who she had traveled to Moscow to play very senior women basketball players, very top basketball players, often play for foreign teams for seasons. Um, mm, or know, in the season to, of the WNBA, yeah. Yeah, to, to boost their earnings. And again, this asks you something about what women basketball players make compared to what men basketball players make, but that's a whole other topic. And so she was in, going to play in, in Moscow for a, a, the top team there. And she was ca caught, just a quick recap, coming in to, through the airport. And she had 
a cannabis, a half-used cannabis cartridge vape in her suitcase and another one as well. I think there were two. Now, these are minuscule amounts of cannabis. You know, it's, it's the equivalent of probably a, a couple of joints, like say we'd say six cigarette type joints of, of cannabis. And she was prescribed it by her doctor because she had back pain. Now, it's, cannabis is used very commonly in America now as medicinal instead of painkillers. She said she packed in a hurry. She forgot they were in the suitcase. Now, you know, whether or not that is the case, and there's no reason not to believe her, to end up, you know, it's serving a hard labor sentence for 12 years is just ridiculous. And it was obviously a really screw you to America with the Ukraine invasion and America's response and all that. But as I said, the main thing is that she's out of Moscow, she's out of Russia, and she's on her way home to the United States. And Joe Biden, of course, I, he met with her wife. And they were like, obviously, it's a huge relief for him and a, you know, a job completed for him because there was a lot of criticism and deservedly so. They're saying if this was Tom Brady, if this was a, a giant um, male athlete, would there be this kind of slow walking or appearance of slow walking? But then Brittany Griner's wife said, well, actually, they have been working furiously behind the scenes. And obviously, you need to work behind the scenes not to antagonize any negotiations or jeopardize any negotiations. So there is a happy ending to this story. Obviously, it was a high price, but I think everyone is going to be relieved that that she has finally been allowed to to leave. Mm. Well, here's here's a little side note, right? I know you said that it's a separate discussion what these women make for their sport. The reason she's there is because women in this sport aren't paid enough. Simple yeah. as, right? Yeah. It's that simple. And the campaign that's going on in the WNBA at the moment is that they're not asking for equal pay with the men. They're yeah. asking for a share of the revenue of, on the TV deals, which yeah. is what the men get. This mm-hmm. is what the collective bargaining agreement is in the NBA, and that's why NBA salaries keep going up and up and up. I wonder, will what's happened to her? I mean, I just don't know if she ever recovers from this. I just don't know if a, if a human can yeah. recover from this. But perhaps there is a knock-on effect that we do take another look at what these women are paid and why they're forced to go around the world and do this when they're clearly brilliant at what they do. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen footage of her. She is a phenomenon. She's an absolute athletic phenomenon. And and it is to have to go cap and handing around the world to try and, and make some kind of a decent income. You're absolutely right. And it is, as I say, it is one of the things you don't see, as I said, Tom Brady having to go off and play for some Irish soccer team in his, oh, you know, in his yeah. time off. It's, and there was the same thing Megan Raffano highlighted brilliantly about women's soccer. American women's soccer team are a million times better than the men's soccer team, paid less than a quarter what they were getting. And she waged, you know, with her colleagues, finally a successful campaign to highlight that. And it's not fully done yet, but and to draw attention to it. So it is, it's, it's an area that we still tolerate in equal pay on a vast scale, not just, mm-hmm. you know, it, where a lot of America, I think about 30% of women in America make about 70, 60, 70% of what men make in ordinary work and in senior positions. But in sports, it's more like 80, 20. It's ridiculous. It really is. Mm. Well, uh, there is an awful lot of other news to cover. And I guess there's going to be, I mean, let's hope that Brittany Griner at the very least gets the book deal that will you know, sort her life out or the Netflix show. We are in the week of the Netflix documentary that the whole world is talking about. I guess we'll get to that (laughs) at the end of the episode in What's Good. 
If you're not aware of this, every week Marion recommends something great for you to watch or read or listen to each weekend. And it's a real Patreon favorite with a lot of people getting in touch, thanking you for the recommendation of White Lotus. But let's get straight to what is the biggest political story in the US this week. And I guess it's the final nail in the coffin or is it nail in the coffin or shot in the eye for Donald Trump with Herschel Walker being defeated by Raphael Warner? It is my honor to utter the four most powerful words ever spoken in a democracy. The people have spoken. You said it was too close for comfort, Marion. What do you mean by that? Well, you know what? I like the same was true of the midterms. Yes, the Democrats had an astonishing result, but look at the margins. And that's what worries me. So basically... Herschel, there, there was two points in it, barely two points. So it, it was 49 or close to 49, uh, 51. They were the margins. So just 2% for the most incompetent, scandal-ridden, just completely inappropriate candidate on the Republican side against a preacher who is, a pastor who is astonishingly articulate, astonishingly charismatic, who has worked nonstop on the Equal Voting Act and on various other pieces of legislation since he got to the Senate two years ago, Raphael Warnock, who was the pastor in Martin Luther King's church. Like that's what a figure of significance he is in Georgia and also, you know, to the black community. And also just as a senator, he is, he has been a really excellent senator and that he came within two points of being defeated by a clown. Let's just call mm. him what he is. Herschel Warnock is an utter clown. Yes, he was a brilliant athlete. Her, yeah. He's a former FNL, FN, NFL, NFL player. Yeah. Um, and uh, who was a, a great footballer who has been, you know, who has this sort of Christian evangelical cloak that he wears. And beneath it, he has coerced and paid for abortions for two former girlfriends of his. He's been involved in multiple other scandals. He's lied repeatedly. Like to a ridiculous amount almost about his achievements on and off the pitch. And he doesn't need to lie about them on the pitch indeed, but, you know, made up all this other nonsense. And I'm sorry to say, but the guy is not the sharpest knife in the drawer by any yeah, but He might be a brilliant athlete, totally inappropriate for the, to be a senator. Yeah, but the other side of this, Marion, is that his campaign was all about the hot topics, was it not? It was all about... Yeah. Pronouns in the army, transgender athletes in high school sports. Yes, and and anti-abortion until he until it was exposed that like he was you know proud as he said himself sort of pro-lifer from the moment he believed life started at the moment of conception, which really begs the question then as it as to why he pressured and paid for abortions for these women when they became pregnant with his children. He also has a messy family life that goes beyond that. And, you know, he, he concealed the fact that he had four children. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy is thoroughly dishonest. He was manipulated. I actually, and I said this before on the show, Gerald, I feel a bit sorry for him. And that's not being patronizing. He was, Donald Trump, as we know, can be very persuasive. And Donald Trump love-bombed him, basically. And uh, along with that clown cohort of his, Lindsey Graham, and they went there and they told him what a brilliant senator he'd be and how great it would be for him. And, you know, anybody can be flattered and seduced into doing something that they wouldn't have otherwise thought about, especially if you're a football player with an ego. And let's face it, most sports people at that level do have egos. 
Mm. And so I think that it was, you know, that he was corralled and greased into the, into the, the sort of the tunnel, if you will. And then it just, his campaign was an utter debacle from beginning to end. So as I said, the fact that he managed to get 49, 48, 49% of Georgians to vote for him, notwithstanding, to me is really concerning. And it shows that if they put up somebody even a teeny bit more competent, that they probably would have won by several points. And yes. Raphael Warnock, who is a terrific, as I said, person, a terrific senator, uh, would have been ousted and possibly by an elect, easily by an election denier, probably, but just one who was a little more acceptable, who was a little more groomed and polished. Yeah, I mean, scary stuff. Yeah. Like he really yeah. squeaked, just squeaked it, even yeah. with all of those things that yeah. you said. Um, I feel like, on some level, we did well last week with our uh, top five episode of the most worrying characters in American politics. Go back and listen to it if you missed it. It's a hell of a chat, but it did mean that we didn't get to talk about this story that was gobbling up all of the headlines, which is the, the Trump dinner with the Nazi and the Nazi, Nazi rapper. I mean, yes. Has that story gone away before we talk about you know, what the Supreme Court's been up to? Because that really was deflecting attention from an awful lot of stuff. It was. And you know what? It's gone away because there's always another Trump story to take its place. That's, how, that's why and how Trump scandals kind of seem to fizzle out because it's like they lob another shiny thing and there's another, whether or not it's delivered by the Trump people or it's just that Trump can't help himself. But, you know, there, there's always something new. And, and this week, of course, the Trump organization was found guilty on all charges of criminal tax fraud. So that kind of took over the headlines. And of course, the Herschel Walker, that, uh, the defeat of Herschel Walker, and it really cements Trump's record. And I think it was Mitt Romney who came out yesterday and said, you know, a Trump-backed candidate is basically the kiss of death. So, you know, to be fair to Ms. Romney, apart from when he cozied up to Trump and he wanted to be Secretary of State, when Trump clearly had no intention of, of nominating him or making him Secretary of State, he just did it to have him grovel a bit. But he has been a, a pretty consistent critic of Donald Trump's and even Lindsey Graham, the most unctuous and greasy of senators and of Trump acolytes, yesterday sort of conceded, well, you know, it's like Trump maybe like his his golden touch may have somewhat diminished. But back to the as you say, the dinner with the Nazi and the Nazi rapper. Uh, you know, there was a quite a Trump came out afterwards and said uh, that of this guy Nick Fuentes, who was there in Charlottesville on um uh, yeah, that's his claim to fame, isn't it? Yes, it, it that he organized that Unite the Right rally at which that thirty year old woman was run over and killed by, by a far-right protester who resented the fact that people had the temerity to protest a neo-Nazi rally with torches, with tiki torches and shouting, Jews will not replace us. That was what, yeah, his claim to fame. But since then, he's been embraced by so many people. He holds a rally, a convention down in Florida every year. It's called AFCAP, and it's a sort of a like, the other CPAC that we've spoken about before, except for they're there with their Nazi flags, with their Nazi salutes, the full regalia. Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke at it this year, and so did Paul Gozar. So the Republican embrace of this guy is not just by Donald Trump. And what he, you know, he makes the most appalling jokes about Jews and the Holocaust. And he's just an all-round obnoxious guy. He's only 24 years old, and he's a bit of a Stephen Miller that 
a lot of these guys, I think, realize that there's a path to fame by just being more appalling, more out there, more mm. notorious than anybody else. And Marjorie Taylor Greene does the same thing. There are half a dozen of them in Congress, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gozar. They all, you know, the, that's the game they all play. The goal is to be on television and whatever yeah. means it gets to, to, it takes to get them there. So Nick Fuentes anyway went down to, to visit Trump with Kanye West and Kanye West was invited for dinner. The story is that he brought Fuentes along for the ride. Now, call me skeptical, but I've been down in around the Mar-a-Lago a couple of times. I wasn't at next or near the place. You know, there is severe security there. Donald Trump is a former president. He has the full retinue of secret service agents. He has the whole thing, as well as his own security, as well as the, you know, the, the Mar-a-Lago goons. So th- for him to claim that he didn't know who he was having dinner with, that he didn't realize he was at a table with a leading white supremacist, a leading neo-Nazi, along with Kanye West, who he conceded that he did know who he was having dinner with. There was actually a very funny satire on it in, in the New Yorker magazine. I'll just be very brief, but the headline was Donald Trump didn't recognize that his guest, uh, didn't realize his guest was a neo-Nazi because he was wearing a white hood. You know, that they, like, and, <laughs> yeah, well, like all jokes aside, Marion, Fuentes yeah. took so much of the uh, the rap here, but sitting down with Kanye West is problematic. Like, yeah. you know, set Fuentes aside for a second. Let's remind ourselves of some of the things that Kanye said in the last two weeks. Jewish people can't tell me who I can love and who I can't love. You can't say you can't force your pain on everyone else. Jewish people, forgive Hitler today. Let it go. Let it go. And stop trying to force it on other people. Good night. I mean, this is this is a man who's now just an outright anti-Semite. Yeah. And that that to me is the issue. Was his expl- Trump's explanation of it was over and over. I didn't know who this guy was. Well, you know exactly who Kanye is now. He certainly knows who Kanye is because Kanye was a big endorser of Trump. He went to the White House and he they had a, a multiple photo ops when Trump thought it would be helpful to him in getting the black vote. And um, you know, why they, isn't that enough then? Why isn't that enough? I don't understand why. Like Joe Biden said, he should apologize, which is like the most Joe Biden thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. like it, 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 stand up and apologize. Like, like that's ever going to happen. Yeah, like he's yeah. never said um, sorry for anything. But it, it's like it makes me wonder about is is Kanye now just an absurd character over there? I think but, that. If I can draw a difference, and I don't know if I can, and I haven't really, you know, I, I, I'm wrestling with it without coming to a conclusion. So I'm sort of thinking out loud, Kanye West is seriously mentally ill. Now that does not excuse his behavior. He's be, you know, he's been diagnosed with bipolar. He has, his behavior for several years now has just been inexplicable. He's lost all of his, he's lost billions and deservedly since he started on this track. There's been a long held tactic in America where white supremacists, because the Jewish community historically during the voting rights era and all that came to the help of the black community in, in trying to help them to gain civil rights and trying to, you know, to really advocate on their behalf because the Jewish community in America knew what it was like to be discriminated against and to be treated badly and to be hated just for who they are. 
Now, one of the tactics of white supremacists has always been to try and turn, cause a division between Black America and Jewish America. And I suspect very much, now it doesn't excuse it, but that they saw in Kanye West, they saw the fact that he's clearly mentally ill, that the guy clearly needs help desperately, somebody who could be manipulated and used because yes, he's an obnoxious guy. He's always been, you know, we remember him storming the stage when Taylor Swift was getting her award back in the day. He's always been obnoxious. But he, I suspect that when he was working with very prominent other people, that he, he, if he had these views, he was certainly keeping them to himself. And this has all been unleashed in this year, really. Whereas Fuentes is somebody who does not, he is just an out-and-out neo-Nazi and an out-and-out racist. And the fact that you have him coming together with West, it's so bizarre and so wrong. And, you know, it's, yeah, West did, you remember he said that slavery was a choice. You know, he he has said things that have been inexplicable. He's never had the, you know, he's, I find that he's an appalling character, but he is somebody who has who is severely troubled as well. And I mm. think that that might be the difference. Right. Okay. So he's clearly off the meds yeah. and refusing to take them. And perhaps there was a time when he was on them. I'm not sure that these yeah. these ideas were in his head when he made college drop out. I mean, this is no. a man I like. I, I loved this guy for a yeah. long, long time. I and loved even his music his- and his all of his work. Yeah, his background, Charlotte, sorry, just to interrupt there, like his mother was, he came from a really liberal household, like, and he adored his mother who died pretty tragically about about a decade ago. She was a, an English college professor in Chicago. His father was a journalist. It was a family that celebrated intellectual discussion that had all kinds of people around their house from the arts, from academia, from politics. You know, his mother was a really pretty inspirational woman and to me, and he was extraordinarily close to her. And to me, what has happened, you know, in the last several years just seems, as you say, very far away from college dropout and very far away from the brilliance of his early work and indeed some of his work up to about four or five years ago. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, it's, well, it's the, the subject, though, the hobby horse that he's jumped on. Yeah. There is this rise in anti-Semitism in yeah. America. Undeniable, yeah. Uh, you know, between Kyrie Irving and himself, they're both kind of making this argument that, well, Kanye basically says in this clip that Jewish people should just get over it. And I I was absolutely shocked to see Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live saying that Jewish people can't blame black people for the pain and the suffering that they're going through. It seems a, like a really peculiar time in America for yeah. Jewish people. And what is the dialogue there at the moment, as you understand it? And is there a real genuine concern around this and what's being done? Well, it's extraordinarily complicated. Okay. It's complicated on several levels because first of all, you have organizations like the Zionist Organization of America and AFAC, which is another one, the American Israeli League. Uh, so you have organizations like that, which are to the far right, which are endorsing guys like Steve Bannon and Trump and, and Steve Miller and all these people, because their only issue is Israel. 
that's the only thing that they are concerned about. They're very, very far right politically anyway. But so as far as they're concerned, their enemy's enemy is their friend. And they see Trump as an enemy of Palestine. And they see Bannon as an enemy of Palestine. And they see them as being absolute, you know, very, very strong supporters of the Israeli state and of Zionism. And so on that level, these are people, this is a, a factor of the Jewish community in America or a sector which has sort of behaved in an extraordinary way in that it appears to have embraced white supremacists to a degree because they are, you know, they feel that they're right on Israel in the same way that a lot of evangelical, the evangelical community, which is very anti-Semitic, some of them, but they are, they do believe that Israel is the true state and it, that it, it absolutely, now I believe Israel absolutely should exist. Of course it should, it goes without saying, but I believe the Palestinians have an equal right to coexistence. Um, mm. and, and it's, it's that simple. But in America, it's not that simple at all. So you have, as I say, you even have a division between the Jewish community here, uh, between the far right and the mostly moderate Jews who have been very political and very active and very extraordinarily generous on civil rights, on human rights, on a whole range of things. So I, I think that that does muddy the water when you have people um, coming out from the Zionist organization or whatever who still embrace Trump. A couple of them did mildly criticize him for sitting down Fuentes, but you know, it was like the Republicans. They basically just wanted to get off the topic. A couple of them made the right noises and that was it. And I think now, as I said, that, that story has pretty well fizzled out here because, as I said, of, of the Herschel Walker defeat, because of the Trump defeat and the Trump organization, the criminal conviction in the New York court. And also because now um, Trump's um, tax records are finally before the House Oversight Committee and the, the Ways and Means Committee, I beg your pardon. And they've already found that he has one, he had at least one undeclared loan for about $20 million from a company with links in North Korea from Daewoo, which, you know, was doing business in North Korea, which again opens the question of is that why he was closing up to Kim Jong-un? Are there other debts? Are there other loans that we don't know about? So mm, as a Trump has been the new as ever. Yeah, I mean, that has to be a certainty that if there if there's one, there's more. This week is huge news on, apparently huge news on Donald Trump's company being convicted of tax fraud on Tuesday for helping executives dodge taxes on extravagant perks like a Manhattan apartments, luxury cars. Is this not going to just be defended by Donald Trump as that makes me smart? We're all playing yeah. cat and mouse with these people. How yeah. meaningless is this conviction? In terms of how it will affect Donald Trump and his 2024 run, it's pretty meaningless. What will happen is he will be fined about $1.6 million, probably, which seems like a pretty small amount of money when, you, when Trump claims he's worth $9 billion. But yeah. it's, it, he will also, there'll be a lot more supervision, I think, of the Trump organization. But as you say, to Trump's base, and that's that's all Trump cares about, um, it, it's just like, yeah, so what, big deal? You know, he stuck it to the man. I mean, there's a campaign here, which is bizarre, with Republicans that they're opposed, and they've used it as a talking point and an election stunt. Joe Biden has hired, or is in the process of hiring, an extra 87,000 inland revenue employees, basically, who are going to go after people who haven't paid their taxes. That's their job. But this is being used by Republicans as one of the worst things that's ever happened in America. It's impinging on our freedoms. Well, you know, you would think the Republicans as the party of law and order and the fiscal responsibility party, allegedly, would be keen for Americans to pay their taxes. But they're using this as a stick to beat Democrats, police state and their socialist state, etc. 
And I think that a lot of people, certainly um, Trump's base, it'll only increase their sympathy for him and their belief that he's just being persecuted because he's Donald Trump. On the other hand, Rupert Murdoch really is threatened by oh, yeah. uh, a potential uh, <laughs> $1.6 billion lawsuit. I mean, yeah. even even Rupert Murdoch must be loosening his collar at the thought of something like that. <laughs> well, and, and that is literally only half the story. That's Dominion. Um, like, we'll do a very quick flashback. to 20, In 2020, uh, there were two um, voting systems used in America. There were actually a couple more, but the main ones were Dominion, which was the biggest one, Dominion Voting, and then there was another one called Smart, Smartmatic. Now, repeatedly on Trump news from January the 8th, I beg your pardon, February the 8th, no, I beg your pardon again, November the 8th onwards after the 2020 election, there was just this nonstop talk on Fox News by all of their people, by Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Judge Jean Pirro, Maria Bertamo, Lou Dobbs, all of them saying that they vote, they like endorsing personally and having on guests repeatedly like Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who all claimed that the election had been rigged and that the, re- the way the election was rigged was the Dominion voting machines and the Smartmatic voting machines had been manipulated so that when people voted for Trump, they would automatically be flipped to Joe Biden. They claimed that that had been done with these machines and that was how Joe Biden won and that the election had been stolen. This was said as fact, as, a, as an article of faith over and over and over, countless times on Fox News. It was just nonstop. And as I said, they had on the most ridiculous people like Sidney Powell. Like I remember being at that famous press conference in Washington when Rudy Giuliani's hair ran down his face and Sidney Powell claimed that Cesar Chavez, who's been dead for eight years now, nine years almost, was involved in this plot to throw the election from the grave, presumably, to Joe Biden. That was the level of crazy. And yet she was appearing on Fox News, you know, and being allowed to tout this without contradiction or questioning. So anyway, understandably, Dominion Voting and Smartmatic both got a bit fed up with this. They sent repeated emails. They sent their lawyers. It kept happening. It kept happening. It's still happening, in fact. And so they decided, Dominion decided they were going to sue Fox for $1.6 billion. Smartmatic is going after them for 2.4 billion. So, but that's, you know, 4 billion, if it's awarded in total, um, is a hell of a kick for any, as you say, no matter how rich you are, no matter how valued your companies are. And indeed, yeah. a bit like succession, Fox News and Fox Corp, they're kind of on the decline because they haven't been able to outrun the online strides that have been made in the last couple of decades. And they're looking a bit quaint and a bit cart horsage. At, ish at this stage. My God, I'm mixing everything up today. <laughs> the, oh. but, uh, so anyway, Lachlan Murdoch was deposed this week in Los Angeles. So he had to go in and talk about it. They've said all along, oh, we don't interfere in what our reporters say. We believe in freedom of speech. Well, Lachlan Murdoch in Australia is one of the most uh, active sewers of the press when they say anything he doesn't like about them. So I don't think he's any great champion of freedom of speech. And they're saying, this was just the opinions of these reporters. And anyway, Sean Hannity isn't a journalist. Everyone knows he's not a journalist. You know, he, but basically, a lot of the sort of Alex Jones defense, no reasonable person would believe these crazy people, you know, like that sort yeah. of. So anyway, the it's being held, it's being heard in Delaware. The judge is a pretty down the line judge. The Dominion case is going first. The Smartmatic case is, is kind of looping behind that. But they, they have deposed now pretty well everyone. 
um, uh, you know, with, with Rupert Murdoch being deposed next Tuesday, I believe it is, that will be the full deck. And then I think they're ready to proceed to trial in February. And it really, uh, you know, it's not looking good for the Murdochs. I don't see how any of their arguments, free speech does not give you the right to lie freely, you know, mm-hmm. ab- about other people and about companies. And like and Dominion claims it has lost huge amounts of business around the world as a result that they... Yeah, sure they have. You know, and, and the same with Smartmatic, which is a much smaller company. And it says that this has devastated our business. Like, we don't have the resources. We're not a huge company. And we've basically lost work in 20 countries around the world. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to cut it short this week, but no it's, it, is a, it is a fun size episode this week, unfortunately, due to a number of factors, some technical, some just logistical. We didn't get to talk about the San Francisco robo killer robots. We'll have to come back to that next week. I might include the link to it in the episode notes. If a horn is on sound, I'll have a special bonus episode for people tomorrow with Cahill Dennehy talking about the world of athletics and where we stand in terms of drug cheats in the world today. That's a must listen. And of course, if you're a patron of the show, you'll get to hear the whole thing for your £5 support of our podcast this month. Marion, thanks so much for your time. We'll be back next week with a full-size version. And Marion McKeown, thanks so much again. Take care, Giles. All the best. Irishman in America is an Irishman Abroad podcast. Sound editing is by Aoife Horan. To support the continued creation of this podcast and to hear even more Irishman Abroad interviews, why not join us on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad today. Finally, don't forget you can come and see Jarlat in person at Liberty Hall in Dublin on January 7th. Jarzilla is Jar's brand new stand-up show. Tickets are available now from Ticketmaster.ie. You can email Marion and Jarlat your questions Irishman Abroad podcast at gmail.com. 